Listener Production. Christian Hull is one of Australia's most adored comedians, loved by millions of people across the globe. I have been lucky enough to work with Christian and seeing that behind the jokes and glitter is an empathetic soul who will do anything to please. Christian shows us that there is power in humility, strength in weakness and light in the darkness of human existence. What follows is a conversation about sexuality, online trolls and how being true to yourself can change your life. The more authentic you are, the more relatable you are, the more people love that because they're so used to this Hollywood, you know, sort of fake ideal of, you know, the perfect couple and that when you get an insight into something that's authentic and a complete mess, they're like, oh, that's me. And they love that and they like that, you know, that sort of hot mess can be successful. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life, and hopefully yours too. Christian Hull grew up in Deniston, Sydney, the eldest of four with his triplet brothers. Christian's YouTube videos see him donning a wig as his alter ego Trish. To date, his most famous video about nurses has had 20 million views. With a comedy tour underway and a book deal ahead, his life is on the fast track. I started by asking Christian, was comedy what he always wanted to do? My brothers are also very funny. We didn't know what comedy was because we were quite young and but we were making all these funny things. So we just were all funny together and we thought nothing of it. And then it wasn't until I think I was in high school where people were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I'm not real smart. And someone said, you need to be entertaining people. Why don't you look at getting into radio? I was like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll give that a go. In your career, have you found that a lot of people have been quite graceful towards you? Yes, 99% of people have been great. There was one occasion with a content director who put it to me really bluntly and said, you're over the top and flamboyant, radio's not for you. So how did you deal with that? Oh, I was like, oh, oh this is over. Pack it up, let's go. You know, like, <laughs> that was early on. But, I, but that's a big deal. That was a huge deal. I think that's when I sort of started looking at other opportunities, still trying to be on air and be like, I'll prove you wrong. But then that opened up the door for the other potential ideas and doing things. And I then got a great job in Adelaide as a breakfast producer and saw how a breakfast show operates and was like, wow, this is horrible. And at that moment, everything sort of aligns. It's so bizarre. Yeah. When you well, don't want universe, something to happen, yeah. it just happens. So then in that same week, the digital team was really small. I mean, like video, video editing, online, social media, they were all made redundant. Well, we've got all this gear and equipment and I'm still producing the radio show. Like, oh, I have to do that. Why don't I just film the segments as well? And then I really love doing that. And then I realized I can like make little edits of videos and I can control the narrative and be really creative in how I edit and do and I really loved it. And so I started doing that and then the Melbourne team noticed the work I was doing in Adelaide and then I got this humongous job and here I was with no experience. They were like, in you go. I was like, whoa. And then that show just taught me everything and I met all these people and then that had led to the next project and then I realised radio wasn't for me. Then I discovered comedy, as we call it, you know, like making videos. Everything's just sort of exploded, but it's taken quite a while. 
And tell me, obviously you are gay and you are a huge figure for the gay community in such a positive, beautiful way. When did you come out to your family? My parents knew, mum worked in the fashion industry, dad Mm. worked for Qantas. I mean, name two bigger gay-filled industries. So I'm pretty sure they knew. I didn't know they knew. And When did you know? That's a really good question. There was a point where I was like, oh, this must be gay. Um, and I remember, <laughs> I, remember, I remember I thought it was a phase. When I was younger, I was like, oh, he's hot. He's cute. I'm like, oh, that's, no, I'm supposed to like girls. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is the I like boys phase. Yeah. And then in six months time, the I like girls phase will commence. Yeah. And I was like, God, this phase is lasting a while, isn't it? Did you know much about being gay then? Did no, you, not at all. Did nothing. you know anyone who was gay? When I was quite young, because I would have been about eight or nine. In that period? Yeah. And mum never said, please welcome Kerry. He's our gay friend. Like <laughs> it was just never, as an eight-year-old, you just, you don't understand <laughs> that concept. Mum and dad had a lot of gay people that they knew, but it wasn't announced when they no. walked through the door. So I didn't understand this whole concept. Yeah. And then it wasn't until getting into high school watching TV and seeing the Mardi Gras and things happening and understanding, oh, okay, oh, that's a thing. Oh, I might be part of that thing. Yeah. And then going, okay, well, if this phase doesn't end, I'll give it another year. (laughs) And then it was literally the thoughts in my head. And then as a kid, you don't think it's bad. No. But then, you know, as you start to get older, you watch the news, you hear laws in other countries, you're like, Mm. oh, this gay thing isn't good, is it? It's like the innocence of a child disappearing. Is your family at all religious, being a gay person that can really be a scary thing to come out? I was lucky. I didn't notice or feel any pressure or nervousness in coming out from the religion side. But I think it was just because our family was so close. We are so close. It was the fear that they would just kick me out. Because I believe you never truly know somebody. Like, you never know them. I never assumed that my parents would just accept it or my family would just accept it. I thought maybe something would snap and then I'd be gone. So that was the fear, which was completely irrational. So when did you decide to actually come out to your parents? Well, see, I sort of didn't need to. There was the one moment where all our family were together and they were sitting around a table and one of my brothers was telling a story about his teacher at school and he was going to go and say, oh, and then he did this and that was like so gay, like, ugh. But he pulled himself up in the middle of saying the word gay. Yeah. Which was kind of sweet because he called himself up. He knew that might offend me. It was said in front of the whole family and that's when I was like, mm, they all know. That was about a year after coming out to friends. Yeah. So your friends knew but your parents yeah, didn't Yeah, so I know came yet. out to friends. They were all fine. It turns out my group of friends at school, we were all gay. And we didn't know. Really? We all thought we were the only gay in school. Yes. But it turns out we were all gay. It was terrifying and scary, but then everyone was just so loving and accepting, which was great. And tell me, obviously, being so open and doing all these amazing videos that you do, I know that you have received some backlash from being a gay person. How does that affect you? Well, what was really interesting about doing and starting comedy and starting a character called Trish, who's yes. a bitter mother. How did Trish begin your alter ego? I needed a female character in a video. And I was like, oh, I'll just play the female character. Yeah. But I'm halfway there. So I just put a wig on. I was like, this is fun. And I played this really sort of bitchy female. And then she turned into a bitter mother, which was sort of more a reflection of my father, getting inspiration from him. And then I just really liked playing this character. And people seemed to really take to it. And so... That's when I exploded and had a huge Facebook following. And then from that, I realized that I've got a huge platform. And sometimes when you have that huge platform, when things like the yes vote happen, I have to say something. Of course. I can't not. Yeah. And so my comedy never gets really trolled because it's just basic stuff. Yeah. But it's when I step outside and start speaking for a cause or something that you really notice 
people are horrible. You know, I know you well. You're quite an emotional person. Yes, very. How do you deal with that? It's really interesting face-to-face. I've encountered it once when I was younger and I was working at the little mock radio station. One guy I went up to from regional Queensland. And so I went up to him and I was like, oh, come to the station. We'll do an interview with you. And he's like, you're not doing the chat, are you? And I was like, oh, no, I won't be. You know, someone else I'm just producing, someone else will be doing it. Oh, good, because I don't want none of them fags chatting to me. And I was like, oh, wow. That's the first time I'd ever. How did that make you feel? Well, anyway, I was like, oh, okay, great. Well, come with me. He's like, no, I don't want to come with no fags. I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like so shocked. And he was with someone else Mm. who was a friend of his and the only saving grace that didn't make me like burst into tears then was the other friend was quite horrified. I was like, oh, that's good. And so I went back and just burst into tears. And it was the first time I'd had such a full-on confrontation. And face-to-face, I always find more difficult. It's a horrible experience. It's a lot more confronting. But online trolls, if a lot of people are saying the same thing, you start to believe it. But I think I've built up quite a resilience to it. How do you do that? Some people say just don't read comments, but you're like, well, this is I my I know work. that you read the comments. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of them are positive and I get a big ego from it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, I think it was Guy Sebastian said, because you immediately want to reply to the hate and be like, get off my page, bro. Yeah. And he said, if you want to reply to hate comments, you need to reply to all the positive ones. Because basically you're now giving your time to someone who's being so negative, when all these other people who love you, you're giving no time to. So that's very unfair. What beautiful advice. I know. I like, wow, it's amazing. And so if you start going through all the positive ones, it puts you in such a good mood that you're like, oh, I don't care about old yeah. mate. And so that's such a beautiful way of looking really, at really it. really, clever advice and it works every time. And tell me you're also very open about talking about your struggles with yes. weight. Yes. How has that affected you? It's really fascinating because uh, you'll get a Facebook memory from like six years ago. I look at it and I'm like, God, I was thin. But at that time, you're like, oh, I thought I was so fat. Do I think that now? But weight has been something that I've struggled with since high school. Like, I hate the way I look. I think I'm horrifically ugly. You're not at all. But see, that's how I think. So a lot of people will say like, no, no. And I can't get in that mindset of I'm attractive. So what is your view of happiness? Like, I'm very happy. And I think it's interesting, people's perception of what happiness is, they look at me and go, oh, happiness to me is being in a relationship. And I'm like, oh God, I couldn't think of anything worse. So they just assume I'm really unhappy at home alone. I haven't got to the cat stage yet, but they're projecting what their view of happiness is on me and thinking that I'm really sad. But I love living alone. I love not doing things. People just don't understand that. What makes you happy? If I could have life perfectly, it would just be making videos at home. That would literally be it. I love doing that. I love the engagement they get. I like seeing people comment and share them. I like talking to people that way. And if I could eat pizza and not put on weight, I'd be so happy. (laughs) But like, I'm a very, very, very uncomplicated, simple person. You have an absolutely huge following now and one of your videos that you did about nurses Mm. has received over 18 million views. This is a person who you've just said doesn't really leave your house. This is incredible. Do you remember that moment where you thought, wow, I think I've become a celebrity? It's interesting because I got into radio because I wanted to be Carl Sandilands. I wanted to be that instant, you know, breakfast radio host who's well-loved and hated. Yeah. And that never happened. And I did get sort of pigeonholed because I was the gay, oh, he's gay. Put him in entertainment reporting on a red carpet. Yeah. And so 
radio sort of that dream died pretty quickly. And then when I started doing Facebook and making videos and that exploding, I was like, oh, well, there's something here. But it wasn't until that, I think that nurse video where I got 20 million views in a wow. video that I thought, oof. Wow, that's impressive. And then I think it wasn't until I started getting stopped in the street for photos. This lovely lady, uh, she was like, oh, can we get a selfie? She's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm loving this. Don't apologize. Oh, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else? And she was shaking. I was like, why are you shaking? I mean, <laughs> get better on. Like, why? Like, she was genuinely wow. nervous. I was yeah. like, wow, I've made it. I can, you know, and that was very weird. It happened so quickly. Mm. So I started making videos in 2015 and then by the end of 2017 is when I did the nurse video, everything sort of exploded out. How does that make you feel now? Like from humble beginnings to where you are now, has fame got to your head? Not yet. I'm hoping it will soon. (laughs) I'm going to start demanding things. I definitely don't write off my time in radio. I think that I learned everything I needed to of producing entertainment because I've worked in every facet of it from being on air, picking music in radio, producing radio shows and working with on radio shows where you see how the talent, as we call them, are and you see all the different types of talent and you learn, I guess, their perspective. I think that's been the most interesting lesson is I know what I want to be and how I want to be perceived and I want to be a good person. I guess all my years in radio I've learnt Just the value of a person, I guess. You know, the entertainment industry can be ruthless and cutthroat and everyone's climbing over you to get to the top. But, you know, the best memories and the people that I love the most were the people that didn't do that or... No, that makes complete sense. I suppose from your experiences, you've learned the way that you want to lead your life and the people that made you feel good. And I suppose we all role model ourselves on the people that we love the most. Yeah. I actually remember a pivotal moment a guest came in to be on the radio show and it was Luke McGregor. Oh my God, I love Luke McGregor. you know, a really well known uh, Australian comedian and he turned to you and he said, can I have a photo with you? And you absolutely nearly died. You were surprised by that. I felt so happy for you. But then I saw it happening heaps. Like we'd walk down the street and people would constantly Mm. stop for a photo and it was like you're becoming this big name and it's like it hadn't really hit you. No, the Luke McGregor incident, as I like to refer to it, of 2017. May 8th. was so motivating. You know, he has Rosehaven and he has... All these big shows. Yeah, he's just so funny and like really clever. He's watched it, he's laughed. And then we had Auntie Donna, who I adore come in. And on the way out, they were like, we like your videos, keep going. It's weird to think that people you sort of idolise and love the comedy of watch your stuff and enjoy it as well. You get overwhelmed quite easily. I get overwhelmed so easily. If I have a to-do list with two things on it, I'm stressed and anxious. That's just who I am. And so I have to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I've judged myself with a lot of other people. You and I went out for breakfast recently and this was just before you'd made the decision to resign. Oh, yes. And I saw you and you looked upset and I said, what was wrong? And you said, I think I'm really anxious at the moment. Then we kind of spoke about it a lot and then we're in the car on the way back to your house and you just started crying. Went to my go-to, let's cry. Yeah, I was. I think I just needed someone to tell me what I needed to do because I didn't want to make that decision myself because I'd said to you like, I'm tired, I've got so much going on, I'm about to do a tour, I'm writing a book. It's not demanding but it's a full-time job and so I was like, I just can't do it all. (laughs) And you were like, well, have you thought of maybe just picking one and quitting and pursuing this Trish thing. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. But I think sometimes we 
you know, we can get caught up in our thoughts. And when so much stuff is going on, it's very hard to see clearly. And then you just need that one person to really just tell you what you already know. And you already knew that you'd worked on this show for a long time and you do love working on it, but you're doing your videos and all the stuff. How are you feeling about leaving after so long? I know I am making the right decision. It's just when you're leaving on such a high and when you're having the best time, you're like, do I want to leave? I physically have to do this and try this avenue of going off on my own. Now is the perfect time for that. I am aware. It's just quite sad. But I think it's also like we've just been speaking about the need to please and you were so worried about upsetting the people on that show because you do just want to please them, but now you're actually doing something for yourself. Yeah, we became a family. And so it was like abandoning the family. But they were so great. They were like, well, we knew this was coming. And they were excited and supportive. It's a classic thing, like when I came out as gay, I was terrified, but everyone was excited and supportive. What do you think it is about what you've done? All these things have kind of led one after another. What do you think it is that has given you your good fortune? I think starting from the bottom. I didn't come in, I didn't assume any knowledge, and I also didn't treat people regardless of if they were a street teamer or the head of the company. I think being nice and polite actually is helpful because I'm a good person. But you sincerely are a good person. You're always there for your friends. You make everyone laugh. You know, the amount of times that we've laughed together. Oh, my God. Because we worked on a show together. It was so fun. Like, we were just... We would just laugh. We would just look at each other and just laugh. And we were like, what are we doing? We would laugh and that was so fun. And, like, it's interesting, the power of laughter. The power of laughter. Like, it was working with you in that moment. The power of laughter is incredible. It's so crazy. And I think I realised that... And you give that to so many people. Well, I realised because I'll go through some messages and they're really lovely and people are like, oh, you're so funny. But I've seen the messages that people have written on your videos. You know, so many times people have said, you've helped me through these really dark days and if it wasn't for you, I might not be here. It must feel so special that you're able to affect people that you don't even know. How do you deal with those sort of things? Yeah, yeah. In such a positive way. It's a really lovely feeling and it's such a huge motivator to keep going and I'm lucky because I don't get caught up in things. Like I'm not a perfectionist. So if I make a video, I'm like, oh, it's all out of focus. Oh, well, (laughs) do I do it again? Can't be bothered, you know, post. But that's your genuine, I think being so genuine is what people love about you. That's what radio taught me. The more authentic you are, the more relatable you are, the more people love that because they're so used to this Hollywood, you know, sort of fake ideal of, you know, the perfect couple and that when you get an insight into something that's authentic and a complete mess, they're like, oh, that's me. And they love that and they like that, you know, that sort of hot mess can be successful. Tell me, what do you think in your career and life in general, what are you most grateful for? I would have to say family and friends, but having the world's most supportive family, I'm very lucky. My mum and dad have done an excellent job at raising us and teaching us right and wrong and how to treat people. And then the friends I've had have cemented that view in and are really supportive. So I'm very grateful for friends and family. What is a life of greatness to you? A life of greatness is about making people laugh, finding the funny in everything. I feel like we get so caught up in such stupid things. And, you know, the classic example in radio was we're not saving lives. We're just making radio. And it's that whole thing of we're just here to have fun. And that's what I want to do. I want to create sort of that escapism. And for me, it's so fulfilling to make other people feel good. Christian Hull, the world shines brighter with you in it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg, where we post videos and behind-the-scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Life Greatly, where we discuss the content in this episode and many more, as well as give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my ebook, Finding Greatness, head to sarahgrimberg.com. And if you love what you heard, then we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and leave a five-star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. A Life of Greatness's executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nikolich and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast, download the new listener app now and listen for free. Listener.